1: What's up everybody and welcome to a special episode of Bear with Me, commonly a review and preview podcast. It's the off season, but thankfully we've been able to cover training camp today. So, I'm your host, Robert Schmitz, and joined with me is EJ Snyder as we try to wrap up the first 3 days of training camp as we've been able to sit in Burbank. EJ, how's your weekend been? It's been great. Bears camp's amazing. The fans have been thrilled, the crowds
0: have been awesome. Today was a little bit of a letdown with some weather, but in terms of what we've seen from the team and what we've seen from the fans in the area, it's been great. I'd highly recommend it.
1: It's been absolutely wild. And yes, Bears fans, in case you can't figure it out, uh, this is going to be a much more low-touch podcast than usual. We've got a microphone that we're quite literally just going to be passing back and forth. But... On this rainy Monday morning and afternoon, about a thousand about one and a half thousand somewhere in that neighborhood of Bears fans stuck in or stuck it through the weather, which was rainy and cold in a uh, gosh late July day. it's late July, right? Perfect. Um, yeah, it was a great day at camp. It was a great weekend at camp, honestly, great excuse to come out to the city of Chicago and just watch all the players and EJ, did you have any initial uh, reaction things that you want to go over? I'd say the biggest one is probably that Mitch is further along
0: than he was last year at this time. The whole team is further along. Uh, there haven't been that many changes. There's certainly some new additions. Mike Davis, some of the new draft picks. Haven't seen all of them yet, but Nagy-Trubisky is a relationship that's established. The team understands its offensive role. The defense even seems to be gelling with Pagano schemes and, if anything, excelling a little bit quicker than you might think. Usually defense is a little bit ahead of the offense. First day, it looked like that was reversed. Second day, defense turned the tables. Some of that aggressiveness is really showing up in Pagano schemes. And overall, it just looks to be that a lot of the things we thought we thought got confirmed. And it looks like it's going to be a great season.
1: It is awfully nice getting the chance to watch all the things that you have watched on tape and you have thought to yourself, well, shoot. This really should work out this way and that way. That when it starts to show up, even just in training camp, as being true, it is an awfully nice sight to see. Now you mentioned Mitch Trubisky, and I figure we should let's just give the fans what they want straight out. Uh, fans, in case you haven't read in case you haven't read reports of training camp, there there's been a uh, a bit of an epidemic of underthrown deep balls at training camp so far from quarterback Mitch Trubisky. Now. EJ and I want to talk to you about that because while that sounds awfully bad, obviously the deep ball is a really important part of Matt Nagy's vertical strike offense, we wanted to make it clear. We're just talking about the sideline rainbow ball. We are just talking about lofty balls that are arcing over people's shoulders and into their hands where, yeah, they're falling short, generally speaking. But it's certainly something that could get ironed out in camp, and I want to hand the microphone over to EJ so that he can explain a little bit about why, while this is certainly something to watch for, and it's not a nothing problem, it's not the end of the world. EJ? So, Like I said, we're a lot farther along than we were last
0: year with Trubisky, the offense, his command of the huddle, his understanding of how to get the play in how to get that out, how quickly the audible came out. Um, The first day we recapped with Jonathan Wood, and he was talking about the fact that it took him no more than eight seconds to get to the line, get lined up, and for Trubisky to start. He looks tremendously in command of the offense. The short to medium stuff on day one was completely dialed in. And we should clarify that longer passes 15, 20 yards down the field on crossing routes are hitting guys in the numbers in the hands. They can catch that and run. It's exactly where you want those balls to be. But the one throw that he struggled with is, again, that deep arc down the sideline when there's a trailing defender in coverage. He's not getting it far enough. It looks like it might be a back shoulder attempt, but there's no reason that you'd back shoulder that throw. With a guy running stride for stride or maybe a half a step, you're going to throw that ball out above him or in front of him. And that's not typically where that particular throw has been placed. So. While it might sound like chicken little, it's absolutely not. 85 or 90% of Mitch Trubisky, the offense, his throw, his command is really, really good. If there's a place for him to improve over the next few weeks of camp, and as we go through the preseason, if he does get any significant playing time, is that one exact throw. Deep down the sideline, one-on-one, man in tight coverage, get the ball up, let those taller receivers, Robinson, Wims, go get it, pluck it out of the air, don't leave it short where the defender can, you know, step up or slow the wide receiver down and make himself bring himself back into the play, potentially disrupt that throw. So it's one piece, it's something to watch. It's really early in camp. The break right before camp is the one significant break these guys get every year, good 6 weeks off between the end of OTAs and the beginning of camp. He's been throwing with Miller in that time, not all the other receivers, so he's still figuring it out. And Robinson looks healthy and more explosive. So I think he'll match that pace as we get closer to the season. So something to watch, not something to worry about.
1: I completely agree. Uh, An example of why that deep ball could be a problem if Bears fans are looking for what that would look like. Uh, In one of the one-on-one drills where we had Mitch Trubisky throwing to a receiver who was matched up on a corner and had the entire field to work, which obviously doesn't simulate real football 100% of the time, but it'll give you an example of route running ability and cutting ability. We had Ben Broniker matched up against Buster Screen. And after Broniker had gotten about a step, maybe a step and a half, but really just about one step on screen, uh, Trubisky left the ball short, and screen was able to jump up into the air, snatch it out with one arm, and pull it in for an interception. You leave the ball too short, and it gives the DB a chance to make a play on it, obviously something that Mitch is going to need to work on. That said, a lot like exactly what EJ just told us Remember that this Bears offense can do plenty of work and it can function in plenty of different ways if it just is able to complete those short to medium range passes and the longer deep crossing routes. Uh, If you're able to get people like Tariq Cohen, Cordero Patterson, Anthony Miller, Javon Wims, and uh, Alan Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, there's just names upon names upon names upon names. That's not even including people like David Montgomery and Mike Davis. You're able to get real playmakers the ball ideally with plenty of space and just march your way down the field. Another thing that I wanted to talk about before we move on to some of the rest of camp because EJ and I were watching the uh, AFC championship game last night in our off time and one thing that EJ pointed out that I thought was really worth mentioning is Mitch Trubisky is under a lot more scrutiny than most quarterbacks and no this isn't me trying to just excuse the kid but remember NFL completion percentages are about 64%, and we act like every single incomplete pass from Mitch Trubisky is really nasty, something awful, and it is indication that he's going to be a total failure. Remember, even the greats like Tom Brady, though he's aging... Through interceptions in that AFC championship game. He left throws on the table. It happens. It's part of the NFL process. So we're going to need to find a balance between fair criticism of Mitch Trubisky and lighting him up over nothing things. Things that, while they're important and he needs to get them right, are we basically need to figure out what a fair miss rate looks like for these deep passes. He can't complete all of them. We would like to see it but he probably won't because it's just a hard to do, and most NFL quarterbacks only do it, I mean, if they can do it, what, 50% of the time? Is that a fair number? That That's a lot. I'd
0: say that's a pretty high number for true deep balls with guys in coverage, but again, I think fair criticism is a really good point for Mitch. There are things that he absolutely needs to develop and get better at, but going back to that AFC Championship game, Patriots versus the Chiefs, tom brady made some inexcusable throws the throw he made as an interception down near the end zone people would have absolutely crucified mitch for that throw and i didn't even remember that brady made that throw so you know brady's got a lot more rope he's earned a lot more rings i get that but it's a question of lens and how you look at somebody so fair
1: criticism is something to keep in mind with mitch as we move forward absolutely now thankfully uh Training camp isn't just about quarterbacks, and we got to see plenty of other players throughout this weekend. I know there were a couple that stuck out to me, but EJ, I'll lead off with you because I know you did quite a bit of work watching these guys in the draft. Who has stuck out to you as a name that you didn't expect to be saying at day three of camp, but here you are saying it anyways? That's a
0: great lead, and I think even more so than specific players, we can talk about the rooms. We can talk about the strength of the rooms. The running back room is incredibly strong. Got David Montgomery that everybody's focusing on. He's looked very strong in camp. He's had a couple of welcome-to-the-NFL moments, a couple of rookie mistakes, but nothing to worry about. He's competed very hard. His quickness has shown up. His long speed looks a little better in person even than it did on tape. One of my reservations, you know if you listen to any of my scouting about him. But his strength was never... A question. He breaks a ton of tackles, very agile, um, competing hard in pass blocking drills, which is going to get him on the field sooner as a rookie, keeping Mitch Trubisky from getting killed. Um, Mike Davis looks like a veteran, again, a guy that's going to protect the quarterback. He's working hard on his receiving. He's a better receiver, I think, than Jordan Howard. We know he can run hard as a short yardage back in between the holes. And of course, you got Tariq Cohen, who's electric and a playmaker, an explosive force for this offense. That's a really balanced room right there. You throw in some of the other folks they've got. Kareth White throws in a nice little added element of surprise. If you run Cordell Patterson as a running back, that's interesting, too. They use Taylor Gabriel on jet sweeps. The sort of running situation for the Chicago Bears is deep and stacked. And another room we were a little bit more worried about, but after seeing two and three days' worth of training camp, the tight end room might not be what we thought it was going to be, but I think there's plenty there. So Trey Burton coming back a little bit from his injury. Adam Shaheen has been up and down. We haven't seen him. He was he was there the first day. He was a bit limited, missed the second day and the third day now with a sore, sore lower back, and unfortunately that's not a great omen for a guy like Shaheen that's been dinged up. But Bradley Soule has been a re- revelation in his transition from offensive tackle to tight end. He looks like a completely functional F. Ian Bunting, who I thought was kind of a camp body blocker, F-type nothing has shown a lot more fluidity out there. Dax Raymond's rolling into form. Um, Ellis Richardson showed a little bit more pop down the seam routes, maybe as a potential Burton backup. I think the tight end room is in a better situation than we thought maybe it was, or at least has more potential to be. Now they're going to have to demonstrate that on grass. And... Some other questions are still sort of outstanding. Who's going to be the third-edge rusher is a big one. Um, Is Isaiah Irving going to take the step? Is Aaron Lynch going to rebound? Is Kylie Fitz going to put it together in year two? We didn't really get answers to those questions through the first three days, Um, but what we do know is Khalil Mack is still a monster. Leonard Floyd looks exceptionally quick, and Chuck Pagano is going to bring a ton of pressure, which is going to leave so many guys on defense open rush capability. Roquan, Eddie, we're going to see all those guys in the backfield this year just blowing things up as a defense because Pagano is going to bring the heat.
1: Oh, and he did. I mean, if I was just going to give a rough estimate of the amount of sacks off of blitzes that we've seen in camp so far, it has to be at minimum 11 or 12. And that's only in about 75 minutes of 11 on 11, ones, twos, and threes, alternating back and forth, getting a play in with a running clock. So You're not talking 25 minutes of football game. You're talking 25 minutes of real time, which is eh, about half of a football game if you count the uh, commercial breaks. But, It is wild the way that Pagano is turning up the heat in Chicago. Now, one thing that is really interesting to mention when it comes to outside linebackers and defensive linemen, and even offensive linemen alike, is we weren't really able to get a good look at a lot of these offensive line and defensive linemen, so if you hear us fail to talk about them, that's pretty much on purpose. I didn't get to see, for instance, much of Matthew Betts because he was on the other field almost every single time. But we got a lot of looks at linebackers, defensive backs, wide receivers, and running backs. So if you hear us focus on those, that's, that's why. Uh, two wide receiver names, for instance, that really popped out to me over camp. Uh, I didn't expect to see as much of Javon Wims as I did, but he has consistently shown up. Caught a lot of balls yesterday, continued to just cut well and get open today. He's got great hands in terms of just securing the catch and making sure that he can position his body in such a way that the quarterback is able to you uh, have a really nice throwing window and Thomas Ives is getting open deep a lot. I just keep seeing that man flash down the field and it's like there he is number 14 out of Colgate catching another deep ball. I, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say this guy's like the new Tanner Gentry, but boy, he's making plays and hey, if he finds a spot on the roster, that'd be awfully neat. Ellis Richardson's another name that I had never heard of him coming into camp, but I keep seeing him flash downfield today. He caught another 30-yard touchdown where he flashed up the seam and then ran uh, for the front right corner of the end zone, got there, uh, the ball came in, and he secured the catch, slid on in. These are exactly the kinds of plays that you want to see at a training camp, guys, and we've got guys making them. A lot of these rooms are shaping up even a little bit better on that under uh, that bottom of the roster level than I certainly expected them to be. But hey, maybe that's partially because it's my first camp.
0: I think there's some of that, and you know, there's some disappointment there too. Um, really wanted to see Riley Ridley. Had heard a lot about his route running. In um, looking back at his tape, I think the Bears got a steal, picking him where they did in the fourth round. Um, he tweaked his hamstring. It's not the end of the world. They're being careful. They don't want to re-injure it, but he was there in street clothes catching balls. We didn't see him. Didn't get to see Ha Ha Clinton Dix again. They're just being careful with him with his knee. It's not a, it's not anything to be concerned about at this point. Um, but it would have been nice to see him out there. Eh, the flip side of the coin is we got to see a little bit more Dion Bush than we thought we might. Um, and he looked pretty good for the most part. Not great, not terrible. Um, Duke Shelley looked really good in his limited role. He's aggressive. He looks in place. Um, he doesn't look like he's overwhelmed in any way. Definitely could slot into nickel, and we even saw him a little bit at the outside, which I really hope they play him there because he played there at Kansas State and he proved he can. And he's just one of those guys that's got the mentality, despite not being six foot tall, that I think he can take on outside receivers. So there's a little bit up and down there, but you know, for every. For every training camp opportunity where the offense doesn't make a play and the defense does, it's still the Chicago Bears.
1: Oh, yeah. One uh, to tell a camp story, because I I would love to spin a little bit more camp yarn than we have over the last couple of days. Just things that we saw. Uh, One thing that I can say. So today, Monday, Ben Broniker had himself a great day running around, catching a whole lot of balls. Exactly what you want to see off the guy that is usually the first off the bench. That's the kind of guy you look at. You say he just got a deal. He's clearly earning it. That guy's making the roster. Well, he's also a pretty big target. And the only guy I saw stop him today was Duke Shelley. And not only did Shelley stop him, but Daniels, or Daniel, I get James Daniels and Chase Daniel uh, tongue tied all the time, but Daniel tried to fit the ball into Broniker anyways because he'd been so reliable. And Shelley just jumped in front of the route and should have had an interception. And it's funny. Because in a game, you'll rag on a guy for not completing the interception. But in practice, the route jump is what you want to see. Whether he catches it or not, like, yeah, do some push-ups. You dropped a ball. But it's the ability to jump the route that, uh, as an amateur scout, uh, like like I know I am, that's what I want to see is to prove that you can get in front of those balls. Shelly's feistiness against these bigger guys is, I think, a real sign of good things to come.
0: Yeah, and a guy you mentioned earlier, I agree with you on Shelley. A guy you mentioned earlier, Javon Wims. I think the most one of the most outstanding things about Wims is his demeanor. We're talking about a seventh round pick from a year ago who is now backing up Allen Robinson primarily, making plays. And the thing that impressed me the most is after he makes those plays, he's not hopping around. He's walking back with his head down like a veteran. He's looking for his next rep. He's concentrated. He's focused. He absolutely looks like he belongs. And I think at this point, with the tape he's putting up, there's no way the Bears could try and hide him on the practice squad. He'd get snapped up with his size and his ability. Somebody's going to take a, you know, the New York Giants could take a flyer on Siobhan Wims, and they'd be incredibly happy. So I don't think Wims is going anywhere. And I think to the casual fan, that may be a surprise to anybody that's been sitting through camp for the last three days and seeing where he comes up in the repetition and what he does with those reps. Javon Wims is a Chicago Bear on the 53 this year for sure.
1: Without a doubt. And another man name that I know plenty of casual Chicago Bear fans had always been writing off, and I think you're allowed to at this point, I'll go ahead and confirm it. I haven't seen almost anything out of Marvin Hall that makes him uh, scream to me that he has to make this roster. I was really anticipating him to be a bit more of an, an asset on special teams, and I just haven't seen it. Not only have I not seen it on special teams, but I haven't seen him match even Josh Bellamy's skill set in the wide receiver room. He looks like a guy that you could live without, which is exactly what you're not saying about somebody like Javon Wims. When you make that comparison, Hall to Wims, it's obvious why Wims is doing so well. Because the difference in not only production, but demeanor and skill set between the two are vastly different. One being much, much more helpful than the other. Another thing, you mentioned demeanor. I think demeanor is a really important thing. Uh, And one story I did want to tell, because going back to a guy you mentioned earlier, Bradley Sowell was the last guy off the field today uh, from Monday's practice. So I watched a couple of guys. You'll see this after every practice. A couple offensive linemen will grab other offensive linemen. They'll stick around. They'll work a little bit of technique. Mike Davis was on the far side of the field, catching footballs thrown at him by a coach, clearly working on his hands, wanted to make sure that he was better on slippery days because surprise, surprise, in a big rainy day, we had a couple more drops than usual. Uh, different things where the ball would hit people in the hands. Mitch did have a couple of nice throws downfield, one of them being something that I've seen Anthony Miller haul in a ton of times where Miller will coast his man into the back of the end zone and then jut forward to try and basket catch the ball uh, for a touchdown. Miller dropped it today, but it was Bradley Sowell who was the last man on the field. He'd clearly grabbed Tyler Bray and a couple of coaches, and he wanted to run some more routes. And you'd see him run those flare routes. He'd run little curl routes. He'd run different out routes, in routes. He was just running a bunch of routes as a tight end, number 85, trying to catch the ball. And he he dropped plenty. Uh, He did. Plenty is to say he probably caught about six for every eight balls. And other ones, some weren't great throws. Um, Tyler Bray is the one throwing it. And some hit him in the hands and he dropped it. He's clearly still working on his craft. But I am genuinely surprised by the buy-in we're getting out of a guy like Bradley Soule. EJ, what do you think? Have you seen stuff like this before?
0: It's rare to see a guy switch position, um, and I think so quickly, and at least that's quickly in the minds of the fans. It took a while for Bradley Soule to lose all that weight. Um, obviously, he could catch. He caught touchdown last year on a pretty famous play. Um, obviously, he can dance because he danced after he caught it, and that was almost as famous. But I don't know that I expected... Um, the level nor have I seen it, um, he really looks like a tight end. He runs like a tight end. He catches like a tight end. Um, he's smiling. He's bought in. Uh, he has clear understanding of what the tight ends do. Maybe that's certainly helpful being a swing tackle. That guy's next to you. He understands the responsibility. He looks totally comfortable, and I mean totally comfortable, and that's the, the strangest part. But I think the storylines that we're left with as we sort of try and move out of camp here and what we're going to watch for the rest of the camp from afar, unfortunately, because we don't get to stay, is some of the backup situations, specifically who the backup corners are going to be, how that's going to shake out, how they're going to stack up. And then backup inside linebackers, another one. We saw a lot of guys get a lot of different reps. Um, Some of them are quite valuable on special teams, and that's what you need out of backup linebackers and backup corners. Um, I think safety is a little more slotted in. Um, and then that outside linebacker, who's going to be the backup outside linebacker and how many are they going to carry? I don't think defensive line is as big a question, but those those position groups, inside linebacker, uh, cornerback, and then a little bit inside offensive line too. We know who the starters are, pretty sure we know who the backups are, but again, how are they going to keep those backups and are they going to play multiple spots or single spots? Those are little things. This team is largely set. I mean, 40 probably eight roster spots are locked up at this point. So it's all those little battles that'll be interesting. And then things like individual aspects of individuals' games. Can Trubisky hit that rainbow deep ball with more consistency? Can he lead guys like that? But overall, this is an incredibly stocked and set team. Ryan Pace was out there today pacing up and down the sidelines, looking at his handiwork, making sure that his charges were were working hard and and using the practice. They have a surprisingly few number of practices with, with the way they've Manage the collective bargaining agreement. So the season's going to be here really quickly, and they've got to maximize all these hours, and they certainly did today. But
1: really, it's those bottom of the roster storylines, and that's a good place to be. Oh, it absolutely is. I love the fact that we're talking about Mitchell Trubisky's deep ball inconsistencies instead of talking about his overall inconsistencies because it really is a change of pace. He looks like he has a much better command of the offense, and though though I saw the play clock hit zero a couple of times, you're going to get that in practice. Every once in a while, I'm sure they'd rather just let the quarterback call his audibles and figure it out rather than throw the delay game flag. So they let it go. And every time he did go overtime, he made the play afterwards. So... But that said, uh, we did get the chance to watch a little bit of the special teams practices, which was great because a lot like exactly what EJ's saying, it's those bottom of the roster guys, these bottom of the roster stories that are going to potentially make the difference on special teams. And what I found really interesting is a lot of these veteran guys whose names you know are also the best special teams players. It's something that you don't visibly see a lot because we see one guy commonly, Sherrick McManus, for example, make the tackle on special teams, but Nick, is quite a special teams player. Kevin Tolliver, very stout on special teams. Thomas Ives is getting a lot of work on special teams, but we'll see if things like that can turn into much for these kinds of players because other rookies like Kareth White also seem to struggle when they practiced a whole lot of gunning, uh, both gunner and gun blocking, uh, with the two guys blocking somebody on punt coverage. They worked a lot of punt coverage today, but I can't wait for the first preseason game, if for nothing else, just to watch all the special teams, watching all the kickoffs, punt coverage and everything like that. What do you think uh, going forward are things that not only people should be watching for in the preseason, but as we approach the season, other storylines besides the ones we've already discussed that just need mentioning? I'd say absolutely
0: all the things you watch, having come to camp and seen all these guys up close, especially in special teams drills, those third and fourth quarter of preseason games, which is normally when you have another beer and turn away from the TV are going to be absolutely required viewing uh, because how those guys show up with effort, do they make an impact? Are they consistent? Those are the things that are going to get them a look either at the bottom of the 53, which is unlikely or securing a squad on the practice squad um, with All the depth on this roster, the practice squad, is going to be really competitive. And Pace is going to have to use it as a tool. So he's the best film he's going to get is live under the lights against other NFL athletes who are trying to do the same thing. It's all guys fighting for a job. So I find that stuff fascinating. I know the casual fan might not, but that. And then really how the wide receiver room is going to stack. Who are they going to keep? What roles are they going to have them in? How many are they going to carry? Again, the guys you mentioned, like Marvin Hall, who were really brought on for special teams focus, is that guy going to get a spot? Because there's other guys that can do the returning job. Is he good enough in the other sort of two or three phases of special teams to stick? And wide receiver is going to be a fascinating one to see how many they keep and who they stack. Do they trade a wide receiver? They've got a couple of contracts coming next year, got a couple of young guys who are looking pretty good. Do they? bet that they can make a spot for that guy to develop or do they take burden hand this year put a couple guys that they can on the practice squad and just let some really solid veterans go and we're going to see that guys that the bears release this year because the roster is so deep are going to end up in other places and play pretty well
1: Another thing that you mentioned, not only to build on that, but we've talked about this throughout this week, that we don't know where the Bears are going to stash their extra special teams players on. It used to be wide receiver. We had players like Joshua Bellamy that were just indispensable on special teams, and that meant that if we were going to carry an extra player, it was going to be a wide receiver. But with, let's list them off, with Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Uh, Cordero Patterson, because as of now, he's listed as a wide receiver, Javon Wims, and a couple of other guys that are really standing out on uh, wide receiver, but mostly those five guys right there, that could be a more limited position group than we came into camp thinking it was. And it makes room potentially for a player like Ryan Nall, who didn't do anything spectacular today, but it was a rainy day, and he was really, really good over the last two games or days of training camp. It's going to be wild to see who ends up sneaking on the roster because I do think there are going to be a a couple of players that we look at and go, whoa, I didn't think they'd actually make it, but I guess they did. Maybe we even keep five tight ends. Be kind of wild, but if Sowell makes room for that F spot spot on the tight end roster and they can still consider Adam Shaheen a Y tight end and Burton the U, then they might want two more backups. Uh, Obviously, one of those would be Broniker, but that would mean somebody else making the roster. There's a lot of storylines that we'll get the chance to follow, and I just hope, for goodness sakes, that they let David Montgomery run a little bit in live hitting because watching that guy's balance has been outstanding. His snappy cuts are crazy, but I want to see him peel a couple of players off of him, if just to appease the fan in me. He's obviously, and this is something that I think is complicated. I'm sure, EJ, you can talk a little bit to this. One of the most unusual parts about being at training camp, if you've never been there, fans, is that there is no live hitting. It's basically two-touch with pads in many cases, and that means that guys like David Montgomery, whose entire skill set revolves around peeling guys off of him and making plays among hits, you just get to see a taste of what they're going to be able to do. But rest assured... with the way that he's cutting and the way that he's starting to see the field when he holds the football he looks like he's going to be a dangerous running back in the minimum this year let alone certainly the, the next three or four years
0: yeah montgomery's as build um feet are great uh agility looks really good um, very solidly built guy and competes in pass pro drills where you do get to see some contact. Um, they'll bring in an individual linebacker to run against an individual running back. And the whole idea is to get to the bag dummy that's representing the quarterback. And those are very competitive drills. They started off with those yesterday. And Montgomery, although Roquan Smith got him with a pretty good arm over lay move and sort of gave him the hey, Rook, this is what it looks like when somebody fast comes after you moment. The other drills, he stacked guys up. He is not interested in letting people come back to the quarterback. And again, it's that physical nature of his game. And even in the running periods when he was busting through those little two-hand touches in the small slots and people were sort of letting him pass, it didn't look like he wanted to get any less contact. He craves contact. He's solidly built. He knows how to use it. He runs angry. Montgomery's going to be fine. And one note that I don't think we've brought up in any of the other pods is montgomery has run all the special teams drills which you know eventually when he's the starting running back for the chicago bears which i fully expect will happen at some point either this year probably this year um he's not going to be doing that but right now the coaches have him in every special teams drill and he is not loafing through those drills as any kind of anointed star he is working his tail off in those drills and it just speaks to the kind of player he is that's his deal um, and he's going to bring that to any role he has, including the starting running back role. I think Bears fans are going to love David Montgomery.
1: I totally agree. Very high on this kid. I am i don't know about trading up ever, uh, you, but it certainly looks like it was a good decision in this case because we've got the running back that we believe can make the Bears offense go in a way that Jordan Howard couldn't. One storyline that I know I want to mention because while uncommon, it's true, I do think the Bears' corner situation is going to be one to watch for, not only this season but next season and certainly heading into the draft because when you watch these guys, Prince Mukamura and Kyle Fuller just look different than the rest of them. You can clearly tell they're the starters, but that's not an anointment thing. That's a their play is that much better thing than anything else. Buster screen is solid, and shelley has got a lot of work to do. He's raw in a, in quite a ways, and he needs to pick up that experience. Corner in the NFL is a very complicated position. And while he's got the athletic talent, like things, he clicks and close well, he fights for the ball, certainly plays bigger than he is, that's all good. But you obviously, when, you, when you're when you in the NFL, eventually you're going to get matched up with somebody, and you have to be able to defend them. And if we're going to start Shelley Bears fans, before you get too excited, that means he's going to have to face somebody like Odell Beckham Jr. in the slot and cover that guy. And if you don't trust him to do that, then you're going to put in somebody like Screen who's at least going to be able to give you a chance if he's able to get the jam off. I'm very curious, EJ. What do you think about the corners so far? How have they looked in camp? I think the corners, like you said, the outside
0: corners are set in Fuller and Amukamara, but there's not a lot of depth behind them. And I've talked about that on my own show, Bears Over Beers, with my co-host, Jeff Burkis. We talked about that lack of a great outside corner, and there's a lot of hope in a guy like Kevin Tolliver. From the camp reps I've seen from Kevin Tolliver... I don't think he's the next big outside corner for the Chicago Bears, and I don't know if that guy's on the roster either. Michael Joseph from Dubuque has showed a lot of physicality, a lot of aggressiveness. I don't know if he has the refinement to stay with folks on the outside week to week in the NFL. So I'm not sure that guy's on the roster, and that makes it an interesting position. The other thing is the upcoming draft looks like cornerback, it's really early, is probably the second most loaded position group. So there's going to be guys out there to pick who have that kind of talent, who are A1 or, you know, 1B outside corners, who really are guys that are going to hold up week to week outside, guys that are coming out of, you know, DB University or LSU as it's known, um, that's that's the kind of thing, that storylines you're going to watch. But the Bears are in a, a little bit of a precarious position with outside corner. If they get an injury to Fuller or Mukamara, there is that drop that you talked about. Um, there is going to be a, a leveling in play that um, Bears fans aren't really going to like that much. Now, on the inside, lots of options. Lots of guys running around on the inside. They've got screen as the veteran presence. Looks like Shelley can absolutely contribute there and probably will make the roster, I think. But, you know... So inside a little bit better than outside, or
1: slot better than outside or boundary corner. Boundary corner is a little bit precarious right now. It's certainly going to be something to follow because one of the most interesting things that I think the Bears have done to set themselves up, and this is not to counter everything I've just said, but the surprising depth at the outside corner spot might just be Buster Screen himself. One thing that we've seen consistently throughout this, and I want to spend the last little bit of this podcast talking about scheme and the way that uh, Pagano and the players have lined up, uh, we've seen a lot of single high looks where we see one deep safety, whether it's Dion Bush or Eddie Jackson, is kicked way back, probably 25 yards, 20 yards off the line of scrimmage, and eyeballing it, it's somewhere back there, pretty far off. And the other safety is right up at the line. Well, commonly, whether they're in the slot, whether it's in some kind of a zone that they're going to then kick back in a hybrid uh, zone thing over at the 10-15 yard region, But we see a whole lot of one safety way up high and the other way down low. Could be to support people in the slot. Could be that we may look at safeties, potentially taking some of that slot corner role should things go way south. But Buster Screen has uh, four years at Cleveland of starting outside corner experience, where he played pretty well, so it's not totally new to him. He might be on this roster to play sort of a super depth position, even should Shelley get hurt, that he could say, I played four years in New York as a slot corner, I played four years in Cleveland as an outside corner, I can do it at the minimum level, at least, and that could work for me. What in Pagano's scheme have you seen besides just saying he blitzes a lot, which we've now said three days in a row, has surprised you in ways that are positive? And what do you think he's done that's been maybe a bit too outside the box and might just be a camp show? I don't know that we've seen enough depth
0: to sort of answer that second question about what really doesn't work. That's going to be an acid test sort of thing that, you know, look, all coordinators, offensive and defensive, are going to run a couple plays that you're going to say that was a terrible idea after the fact. but. In camp, it's that multiplicity. It's that we've seen different guys lined up outside. We saw Duke Shelley lined up outside. We saw Steven Denmark lined up outside. Um, As far as the corner positions, we see the safeties down near the line. We've seen both outside linebackers stacked to one side, and the defensive line shifted to the other side to give it a sort of five-man front look. He's going to bring multiple looks, and right now he's just seeing where guys fit and what they do well because he has to learn the players as much as they have to learn him. They have to learn the scheme as well. But he's he's probing right now. He's looking for which guy can blitz, which guy can bring a rush. Um, we saw Roquan rush. We saw um, uh, EA Booneyway have a couple of successful rushes at the end of practice the other day, blitzes that got home. Um, he's going to bring pressure from all over the place, and we've talked about that, but it's these multiple looks and alignments, almost like a 5-2, multiple guys at the outside corner spots, safeties with real depth differences, which Bears fans aren't too used to. We've played two safeties relatively within about five yards of each other for most of the snaps. These are true single high looks. Um, and I think they have the ability to do that because they've got two guys back there that can play single high. Haha and Eddie both have that kind of experience. So Pagano's just seeing what he's got in the bag and what they do best. And then hopefully, if he's the coach we all think he is, he's going to put them in those spots to succeed. But those spots are going to look a little different than what
1: Bears fans have seen. And I think that's going to be fun, too. Absolutely, and it's going to come with fireworks one way or another because they got home, they, the Bears' defense, on a whole lot of blitzes, people just screaming straight through, not even a matter of pass rush moves, just a matter of the scheme got them in to sack the quarterback. But every time you play single high, what do you do? You give yourself up a little bit on that back end. And one of Mitchell Trubisky's best throws of the day came to Taylor Gabriel in a single high look where the safety just couldn't roll over fast enough Gabriel got behind his corner, who I wasn't able to catch who it was, and Mitchell rainbowed it in exactly as he should for a nice little 35-40 yard gain. One way or another, this Pagano scheme is going to be exciting to watch. We'll just put it that way, because whether it's points against or sacks for and turnovers that we create, we're going to get wild uh, on this Bears defense, and it's going to look very, very, very different than the Fangio kind of uh, bend but don't break scheme that we saw Lovey do that Fangio he didn't mirror it but he did very similar things Um, and it didn't make things dull certainly the talent on the Bears defense just oozed out of Fangio's scheme but Pagano's gonna scheme some crazy stuff and Bears fans hold on to your hats because it'll be a wild ride now Before we get out of here, because I know I'm headed back to Dallas pretty soon, EJ, and you're headed back to Seattle, what are some names that you don't think have come up enough that you want just a second to talk about? Anybody come to mind?
0: Um, Looking up and down the roster, I think there were people that um, had a little bit too much emphasis. Uh, Dax Raymond was one. Um, Look, the guy's an undrafted free agent. If he makes the roster, it's a great deal. Um, But... More likely, he might slide onto that practice squad. If he shows out on special teams, he could be there. Um, trying to think about other folks that really showed out. There are some folks in the linebacking core. Uh, people might have forgotten about, some CFL guys. James Vaughters, uh is one. He showed up a lot at the outside rushing spot. Um, Kevin Pierre-Lewis is a sort of league veteran. Uh, he's been around... Uh, came out of Boston College, I believe, has played some serious special team snaps, was most recently a Seahawk. He looks really good on special teams, of course, that's his bread and butter, but he also looked pretty good in the base defense the other day playing middle linebacker, and again, that backup inside linebacker. Jameer Thurman is in that battle as well. Josh Woods, a guy from Maryland who was a safety and now looks kind of not sure whether he's an inside or outside linebacker the way they list him, but they put him in both places. Athletic guy who's made a little bit of noise. Um, you mentioned Ives at the top, a receiver from Colgate. Big guy, but making plays with his opportunities. Playing with the third team and catching balls from Tyler Bray, but catching a lot of them and getting open all the time. So, And then there's a lot of guys on the defensive line. We didn't get to spend a lot of time with defensive line. They were almost always the farthest position group away from us. Um, But there's a lot of guys there, young guys I want to see if we have anything. Are they going to crack a spot on the 53 there? Probably not. But I'd like to see if they flash at all. And that's tough to do until you really get into those fourth quarters or preseason games. Um, One of the guys I really liked out of North Carolina is Jalen Dalton. Big guy, 6'6", 300, interior lineman, defensive tackle from North Carolina, but has great speed. Popped on one of the highlights I watched where he ran about 30 yards downfield and grabbed the guy from behind, and I thought, how big is that guy? 6'6", 300, and he can move like that. So some interesting guys like that, but can't really report anything from camp. Would have loved to come away with a nugget on some of those guys, but just didn't get a chance to see him enough. So it's a good reason to watch the preseason games.
1: Oh, yes, it is. It definitely is. And another thing to watch the preseason games for, if you're looking for more reasons, Bears fans, is the kicker competition, which you know I can't get off the podcast without talking about the kickers. So, Elliot Fry had today, Uh, if you haven't been following, the Bears have generally seemed to give. Each kicker, one specific day. Uh, The first day of camp, Saturday, that was Fry's day. Then yesterday was Pinheiro's day. Both went seven for eight from everything that we saw. Pinheiro showing a bit stronger drive in his kicks. Today, it was Fry again, and he missed two this time. Not only did he miss two, but he had uh, one that was wide left and one that was short outright, which is not a problem you're going to get with Eddie Pinheiro Not only that, but the first one that he made, about a 48-yarder, oh boy, it didn't have any more distance on it than just that 48 yards. He kicks the ball very, very high for a kicker. It certainly seems to have this very nice arc on it instead of having a line drive trajectory that you're more accustomed to if you've been watching Eddie Pinheiro at all. And that kind of worries me uh, given how windy Soldier Field can get. The higher you kick that ball and the longer that it takes, because it really does take quite a while for Fry's kicks to uh, get all the way through the uprights, you're giving the wind, any wind that you experience in an NFL stadium, a chance to affect that ball. And in the playoffs, you're going to get plenty of those. Um, And so I don't know if that's something that really is going to factor into the kicking equation. Uh, He's generally reputed to be a slightly more consistent kicker than Eddie Pinheiro is, but Pinheiro's drive obviously gives him an advantage on simple things like kickoffs, where he was just banging those balls all the way through the end zone every single time, uh, compared to somebody like Fry, who I would imagine is not going to be as consistent at that. But can Pinheiro convert the big one? I guess we'll have to wait and see. Any, uh, any thoughts on the kicking situation, EJ?
0: As well as it started off, Fry was, you know, 7 of 8 or 8 of 9 or however many. He missed one, I think, on the first day. Uh, there are conflicting reports whether he made them all, missed one. Anyways, most of them went through. About half of them looked driven. About half of them looked, I don't want to say popped up, but definitely that higher arc. More backspin on him. He got underneath them for sure. And the ball didn't have a great sound when he kicked it. Now, to be fair, his snaps were not great. He had snaps that came in that were both high and low. He managed to make all those kicks despite that. Uh, Pinheiro's leg looks completely different. The sound of the ball coming off his foot is completely different. We talked about that yesterday. Definitely has more drive. His kickoff's absolutely more powerful. Had a very similar result. So that's great that we can talk about two Chicago kickers that made, you know, 85 or 90% of their kicks. That's that's great, but we may not be done here yet. Um, if one of these guys survives, I think it's Pinero just because of that strength of kickoff as long as he doesn't start missing a lot of field goals. But there are other kicking battles around the league. There's one in Cleveland, and there's one in Baltimore. Um, The loser of either of those battles could be in play. Pace and his staff, I'm sure, are monitoring those. Um, They could bring another leg in. Um, Kickers are notoriously mobile. Uh, They move from team to team, and I don't think there's anything stopping the Bears from bringing in competition if they don't think Elliott Fry is going to hold up, or if either kicker starts missing kicks, um, rampantly or rapidly, So we may not be done yet with the kicking competition. I don't think it's time to anoint anybody. I think Pinero's the better look early on, but
1: hang on, this one's probably not done yet. Completely agree. I mean, we're sitting here on the third day of practice, having watched one kicker twice, the other kicker once, and the guy with the stronger leg is the easy one to choose. But exactly like you mentioned, our kicker, very well may not be on the roster at all. So it'll be interesting to see what the Bears are able to do from here in terms of scouring the waiver wire and finding somebody else as different people get cut all throughout the rest of the preseason. Wild to think that the season's right about to start. Totally right around the corner. Well... That's it from our Windy City coverage of uh, the training camp for the Chicago Bears at Bourbon A. Uh, I'm about to head in the car and drive back to Dallas, but before I do, EJ, where can they find, or where can our listeners find you? And what is it that you would say you do?
0: <laughs> what is it you'd say you do here? Yeah, that's a great movie quote for those of you at home picking up on it. Um, I'm the lead draft analyst for Windy City Gridiron, uh, so very busy during draft season, UDFA season, and preseason. When those players are really being highlighted, but for the most part, you can find my work on Twitter. I'm at the draftsman FB as in football. That's where the majority of the stuff is. You can scroll back through there, find most of the camp coverage. Um, thanks so much to the new followers over the last couple of days. I've picked up hundred, 150 new followers, folks who are hungry for camp coverage, a uh, combination of these podcasts and the Twitter feed. So it's been a blast. Thanks so much for following along with us. If you ever get the chance to come to a training camp, even if the Bears aren't your team, head to your team's training camp. Uh, it's a great experience. Tons of stuff for the fans. Real cool interaction with the players. I actually walked in behind Bradley Soul's wife and daughters today. Just a random thing. You turn around, there's three little girls wearing custom Soul jerseys with his new number. And I was like, that's got to be his family, right? Um, so just fun stuff like that. So great camp stories that come out of it. Great memories. Great time spending time with all my uh, WCG teammates and getting to meet most of them in person for the first time which was also awesome so great times can't wait to do it again but keep it locked at WCG we'll have lots of training camp coverage even if we don't have people here every day
1: seriously it was so much fun getting the chance to not only meet everybody but interact and thankfully record live so that we didn't have to go over Skype we could just sit a microphone down in the middle of the living room because if for those of you who don't know we actually rented an Airbnb right near training camp facilities in Olivier Nazareth uh, University. Hope I pronounced that right. But, yeah, Bears fans, you can find my work at, uh, at Robert K. Schmitz on Twitter. You can also find some various breakdowns on YouTube. Hoping to put up a couple of more of those, but the video ones take a little more effort, and as we start to approach the season, I'm still trying to figure out ways to make content fast. But, hey, aren't we all? Uh, but it's been a great time covering camp Hopefully I get to do it again sometime. It's seriously been a blast, and thank you so much for listening. Thanks for hanging with an unusually formatted podcast, but hopefully you got something out of it. And until next time, Bears fans, bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with us.